Hey there, Inspiration Junkies. It's your host, Tangia Renee, and I have a quick listener shout out for you. This shout out is going to a listener with the screen name of R Mac. They say, great podcast. I love being able to hear about women's stories, both young and old, and the amazing things they're doing. It's incredibly empowering and motivating. Can't wait to hear more. The cultural aspect of the podcast is also really refreshing. Thank you so much, R Mac, and I'm so happy to do it. Keep in mind, this is episode 12 of season two. That means we only have one episode left. So help us spread the word by sharing this episode. It really helps. Love ya. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of That's What She Did, the podcast. Today, I have a special guest with me, Shauna Armitage, another diva in the business online space that I'm excited to have on because she's a podcaster. She works with women. She empowers women. She blogs and she's doing all kinds of things in marketing and business growth, helping women build businesses and helping them make money. And you know how much I love that. So I'm happy to welcome Shauna Armitage from Making Moxie. Hey, Shauna. Hey, how's it going? I'm so good. Thank you for coming on today. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Now, I didn't read a full-on bio, but I'm going to take a second and read a little bit about to our listeners about what you do so they can get a clear idea of who we're talking to today. Okay. All right. So Shauna <laughs> is the chief marketing strategist and founder of Making Moxie and creator of the Making Moxie podcast. She's a growth consultant and coach helping women make more money in their businesses. Does that sound about right? That's about right. Great. You know, one of the things that I love, first of all, I love the name Making Moxie. Thank like, you. That's just so good. How did you land on that? Um, I actually started this business when I got fired from a digital agency. Um, I had worked in digital agencies for years, um, and my boss, who I had been friends with, who asked me to leave my job to come support him with this business, was like, "You're not a good culture fit anymore." And Ooh, I wasn't girl. a good How right? did you feel? Well, I would have been angry. <laughs> I was angry, but I got it in the sense that I wasn't a good fit for him anymore because I wasn't a yes man. I wasn't going to tell him like, yes, let's do it this way or that way when I knew that the clients weren't getting taken care of. And that was ultimately why I was there. And so I got fired and that was, you know, that was a big kick in the teeth. And um, I ended up sitting down with a friend of mine and I knew I wanted to do this for myself. I knew that I wanted to keep doing marketing work. I knew that I wanted to support clients that I could be passionate about. Um, and we were trying to come up with names and I was like, I don't want my name on it. Like I'm not Marie Forleo. I'm not Amy Porterfield. Like I don't want a, a Shauna Armitage consulting. So we're trying to come up with names and I really wanted crave. I wanted it to be about like desire and the things that women want for themselves in their business. And she's like, girl, it sounds like a food magazine. Like you can't do that. <laughs> um, so once she crushed my dreams a little bit, we uh, sat down on Skype cause she's actually in St. Louis and I'm in Colorado. So we sat down on Skype with a glass of wine and we hung out on thesaurus.com for like an hour and we came across the word moxie. And I was like, 
yes, like this embodies what I want to be. And this is what I want to make in my business and other people's businesses. Wonderful. I love it. So one thing that you say in your business is that, so you do, you know, marketing and, and strategy with women, help them to grow their businesses and become more profitable. But one of the things that you say that I really gravitate towards and really love is that you say that you really want to redefine what it looks like to be a working woman. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? That is so important for me because I don't think until this last position that I had, I ever really felt disempowered because I was a female. You know, you and I have talked about it a little bit before, but I've got three kids. I've got one on the way. And I've really realized as I've become a, a business owner myself um, and not just an employee, that the way I work and the way that work looks for me is different than it looks for men. Um, you know, people are talking about cocktails after work. Well, I got to pick up the kids from school. Like <laughs> I can't do that. You know, I get up at five o'clock in the morning because I get work done before the kids get up. That's how I manage everybody's schedules during the day. Um, so it's just different, you know, the way that you have conversations, um, could be different when you're, you know, a sales conversation when you're a woman compared to when you're a man, if you're not one of those people that have kids, it just feels like it's a much different experience. So I want to validate whatever experience it is that a woman is having. So if it's the mom experience that I'm having, you know, if it's, a woman who doesn't want to dress up in like power suits and heels to go to meetings because that's not what feels good for her, for business, then I want that to be, you know, her experience to be the most empowering experience. So for me, it's really just about looking at what our experiences as women are in business. Mm -hmm. Um, and finding a way to to normalize that because I can work from home in like my sweatpants and my leggings and I can be a kick-ass marketing strategist like I don't have to go out into the world and you know be wearing heels to be awesome oh my god like <laughs> I was laughing about this exact thing this week because I hosted this panel. I organized and hosted this panel for women of color and podcasting. We were doing this great event and we had a great time, but I wore heels. Mm -hmm. And when I got home, I was like, Oh my God, like, I've been out of, out of like the corporate game for so long <laughs> that I can't even handle wearing heels for a few hours. Seriously, <laughs> This is awful. My feet hurt. They're swollen. And I was like, how did I used to do this for like 10 hours a day? in the stupid heels. I don't want anyone to tell me what it is that I have to look like or that I have to act like or that I have to be like to be a successful businesswoman. I'll be honest with you, I love to wear heels. Like I actually like to dress up, but I'll wear heels with like a graphic t-shirt and like black <laughs> leggings and like yes. that that's that's how I like to do it, you know? Um sometimes I've got a kid trailing on my heels in order to get work done, but it just, it has to look the way that, that we want it to look, not the way other people tell us it should. Absolutely. And I will agree with you that heels and leggings are valid Bosch chick attire. It is. They just are. <laughs> I love it. So 
let's talk a little bit about that kick in the teeth moment, (laughs) right? Because like, this has happened to me, like almost all the women I know, this has happened to them at some point. And I feel like it's such a kick in the teeth moment because there is no preparation for it. Like, you don't go to college and people are like, you're probably going to get fired at some point in your career. Right. And this is, you know, how you can either see that that's coming or that's how you can lessen the blow. This is how you can figure out what your next steps are. What was that moment like for you and how did you move beyond it? I think that it, for me, it, it was, it was so earth shattering because I had just left a stable job six months before to come onto this guy's company. And it wasn't like a job that I like went out and applied for. It was a conversation between friends and he asked me to come. Um, So it felt very personal. Um, If you get fired because you're not doing your job or you're not meeting standards, that's one thing. Mm -hmm. But for someone to tell you that like, you're not kissing my ass enough. So I don't want you on my team. Like that didn't really work for me. Um, so I think that it's, it, to me, it served a purpose because as much as it hurt, it was really empowering. Um, and it was scary, but at the same time, I don't think that I would have had the balls to go out and start a business on my own because I was happy being the employee. I was happy getting the paycheck. I was happy having someone else bring on the clients and then I just managed the work. Um, And that there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being an employee. I probably would have done it my whole life. Um, But I was just kind of at a crossroads where I had little kids at home. My husband's in the military, so he was actually about to deploy. I didn't have, you know, support system or an easy way to go out and find another job, um, or at least a job that paid well and had the flexibility that I was accustomed to. So instead of going out and finding my ideal situation, I had no choice but to create it. Um, And I'm not sure that I would have if I hadn't been given that uh, opportunity in disguise. Yeah. I think that's an interesting conversation around culture as well. Like, you know, being fired because you're not going to ask kiss somebody I feel like is a theme that I've heard from a lot of women I certainly have had my own run-ins with bosses because I just was honest and was like no like (laughs) I get that you're the boss here but there's a there's another way um you know what do you think about that culture where men and women bump heads over just being the woman in the room that's willing to say what she really thinks I think culture comes from leadership down Um, and you can be really talented at what you do, but if you're creating a culture of vanity or if you're creating a culture about elevating yourself and not doing the job, then you're going to fail whether you're a man or a woman. Mm -hmm. Um, I hadn't, to be perfectly honest, and this may not be, you know, the most popular answer, but I hadn't had too many experiences prior to this one where I struggled with men in my job or, you know, that men weren't willing to listen to me or or consider my opinions. And I think man or woman, um, you know, if any of us think that we know it all, then we're just wrong. You know, I think it takes, whether it's, 
women together or men and women together, uh, different perspectives and people working together on things is what ultimately gets us the best final product. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what's, what's interesting about that is, you know, one thing that I know that you're, you find really important and you've written about yourself and talked about is the importance of building community. And yeah. this is where culture comes from, right? Like you can build your own community and create what that culture looks like. But why do you think that's particularly important for women in any space, whether they're entrepreneurs or they're, you know, they, they're work at home moms and they're creating a community of other work at home moms. You know, why do you think that's so important? I think that it's important. One big reason is that work and business and selling, it doesn't look today like it did 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. The gig economy, the work at home economy is thriving. You know, you had to dress up in those heels in your power suit and go in and apply for jobs 10 years ago. You don't have to do that anymore. So there is something about community that truly having community that helps keeps us knowledgeable. It helps keeps us, keeping us um, educated and connected. And especially for those of us who do engage in the gig economy, um, we miss out on not being in office. We miss out on not having that camaraderie, not having someone to have lunch with or to shoot the shit or mm -hmm. be like, oh my God, you know, I'm so sick last night, whether it's, you know, alcohol or you had a baby that kept you up <laughs> until 3 a.m. We probably all had one of those experiences, if not both, right? So um, you don't get those kinds of things so much in the gig economy. So because you don't get that from your job, you have to go out and create it or you have to go out and find it for yourself because it comes down to being um, just a well-rounded human being, you know, um, being educated, being knowledgeable and having other people that can support and lift you up. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one thing, you know, you talked about, you know, in the gig economy, you work at home. Mm -hmm. a lot, right? Mm -hmm. Or maybe a co-working space occasionally, but you work at home a lot. And I know, I know you work at home. I work at home. <laughs> this is kind of the new reality for a lot of people. It's a particularly attractive, I think, to moms. It is. Um, because the kids need your attention and you have a little more freedom to do what you need to do. But talk a little bit about, you know, I'm not a mom. So I can't really speak to that. Talk a little bit about what life is like as a work at home mom. Well, I'll tell you a dirty little secret. I'm at home right now, but my kids are not. So <laughs> I started as a work at home mom. And when I realized that that was not going to work, my kids went to daycare and I became a mom who works from home. Um, <laughs> but that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm doing the mom thing at the same time. Um, I think that it's a very special individual who can manage work and children at the same time. And I'm just not that, that kind of unicorn. Um, your work requires your attention and your focus. And whether you work for yourself or you have clients, um, it deserves your whole attention. And the same exact thing counts for your kids, right? You know, they, they deserve your full attention. And for me, I couldn't do both. 
Um, you know, I couldn't be answering emails while they wanted to paint on the walls or while they were trying to take the dogs out for a walk. Um, and I couldn't do my best work in either aspect of my life. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there was a time where I was doing work four or five o'clock in the morning and then during nap time. And then again, you know, nine to 10 o'clock at night when they were all in bed. Um, and some people do it beautifully. And for me, that's not what I wanted. So my kids get to play outside and interact with other kids and get the attention of their teachers all day. And I focus on my work all day. And then um, at the end of the day, I pick them up and then I'm, I go full on mommy mode. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Pull on mommy mode. I'm with you though. I'm not that kind of a unicorn either. <laughs> I, mean, I don't Some even have are, and I think they're awesome. Oh, I mean, they're totally badass. I mean, they're just this, the amount of skill they have for time management and focus mm -hmm. in that situation blows me away because I get distracted when my dog is like, please play with me right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so some people are special unicorns that I am in awe of and I'm like you I'm just not that kind of unicorn it's okay <laughs> yeah so for me the, the work at home mom life means that I work at home while my kids go do their work of play somewhere else <laughs> <laughs> and school is starting back up for most folks now so that's probably makes your life a little bit easier it does I, I only have one in school I have an eight-year-old, um, and then I've got a two-year-old and a four-year-old. So they're not quite at school yet. Wow. <laughs> you have a busy house. Yes, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> it's chaos. We were talking earlier how, you know, I come from a large family as well. Mm -hmm. And what people who don't have bigger families, like I'm married to an only child. And I'm like, you don't even <laughs> understand the chaos. It's finely controlled chaos. The kids outnumber the adults. It's just—it's a miracle nobody dies half the time. It is. People look at me and they're like, "Your family is just the best form of birth control. Like your kids are adorable, <laughs> but I'm so glad that you know that it's in your house and not mine. Um, it's chaos, and I—I I do love it. I do love it. Um, but it's a very unique experience having so many kids and uh, having the kids out like you said, outnumber the, the adults. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I mean, your, your kids will have great memories of, mm -hmm. of looking back and finding you like hiding in the closet from them. <laughs> Just keep telling myself they'll have all the great memories. But they will. It'll be hilarious when they're our age. So <laughs> <laughs> great, great. So you know, one thing that you also talk about that I feel like it's important to touch on is grits, mm -hmm. right? And that's something you talk about in whatever your journey is in life, if you're going to be successful in it, then you have to develop grit. Mm -hmm. No way around it. What is that? What do you think that looks like? How do you think people should do that? Well, I mean, grit, grit is a hard surface, right? So we can't, we can't be all soft, whether it's in the way that we interact or we accept feedback from other people or, um, how we move forward when we have failure, we've just got to be a little gritty. Mm -hmm. um, failure is part of the process. And to me, it's only a failure if you didn't learn something from it. Um, most of the time, there's going to be more failures than successes. And that's how we learn. Um, but if you're not a gritty kind of person, you just take that failure and you're like, well, I can't do it. And then you stop. 
So you've just got to have that kind of rough exterior so you can keep pushing forward towards the things that matter. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's that kick in the teeth moment, right? <laughs> You're going to get kicked in the teeth and then you have a decision to make. What are you going to do about it? I feel like it's accidentally said something quotable. I'm going to have like kick in the teeth all over my website now. <laughs> you should actually, I wrote it down as a quotable <laughs> <laughs> kick in the teeth. I got kicked in the teeth. I love it. Cause that's what it feels like. Right? Yes. Great. So, um, I know that you have someone, a woman of impact that you want to talk about, right? And mm -hmm. we want to do that because on this show, we love to not only call attention to women who are doing impactful things right now, but women from whenever, from wherever, who have also done impactful things so that our listeners can get to know what their impact is, connect with them if possible to connect with them or at least know a bit about them every you know some of some of the women we've profiled here have been like gone for centuries and that's okay <laughs> that that'll be the case with me I'm a real history buff um when I went to college the first time I got a degree in history and um my favorite time periods are like ancient Egypt um and also kind of um like Renaissance time in England. And I had to pick somebody to, or a situation to do um, like a thesis paper on at the end of college. So I spent a lot of time with um, Elizabeth the first of England. And she just, she just fascinates the hell out of me, how she managed to be um, a woman in a, a world that was really run by men. I think that's something that we feel today, you know, people will say, you know, that it's a man's world or, you know, businesses is run by men or feeling uncomfortable in, you know, a boys club kind of situation. Well, nobody would be able to relate to that or show us how to uh, kick it in the teeth more than uh, Elizabeth would. Nice. So, so Elizabeth the first is obviously like, I know who she is, but I don't really like know who she is. <laughs> right? Yeah. So what about her in particular can women today draw on and use as a learning tool or as inspiration for their own journeys? What I found so fascinating about Elizabeth is how she brilliantly positioned herself. So her, her advisors wanted her to marry a man. So then they would have a king for the country. They wanted her to um, have an heir. So then there would be, you know, a child to continue the line in England. And she knew that by doing those things that she would give up the power that she yielded. You know, her power, you probably heard of King Henry VIII. He's the one that married all the women and chopped off their heads. Mm -hmm. That was her dad. <laughs> so, you know, she came from a really kind of turbulent time. Um, and two siblings before her died. So she was kind of like the last royal in the line. Um, and that's what she had going for her is, was her Royal blood. That's why she got to rule. And if she kind of gave up these other things, then she was giving up her power. Um, one of my other favorites as far as historical figures is uh, someone called Hatshepsut. She, again, one of my favorite periods is ancient Egypt. So she ruled as the King of Egypt. 
um, as a woman, she called herself the king of Egypt and she uh, wore the traditional uh, king's clothing and all of that. But Elizabeth said, no, she um, didn't say that she was a man. She really played on what was strong about her as a woman um, and used that to make sure that she held on to her power throughout her reign. That's really fascinating. Mm-hmm. It is, and I think it's, it is an important, you know, little marker, an important little lesson in not giving up your power, right? Because that's essentially, that's what they wanted her to do, right? They were like, let's move you out of power as quickly as possible. So here's yeah, you'll just be doing. a figurehead. Yeah. We're just going to get blood. you a man. Exactly. <laughs> we're just going to we get you a man. <laughs> well, you know, we'll, we'll just cart in any dude. You think he's cute. That's great. We'll get you a man and then we'll get you a kid and your job is done, sweetie. Just sit there and look pretty. (laughs) Essentially. And she was really smart. She was super educated. Like this woman could speak. I'm I'm not even going to do her injustice by trying to guess, but she could speak multiple languages. So like when people would come to her court, she could speak to them in their native tongue. Mm -hmm. She didn't go through translators. Like she spoke multiple languages. So she, she put in the work to keep her power. And, you know, England was really, really strong during her reign. You know, her father had, um, kind of screwed things up trying to do with, you know, wars with France and things like that and spent a lot of money. She put them back in, in uh, a place of power, got the economy back on track. Um, and she ruled for a really long time. Again, it's been so long since I did my, my work with on her, but like 50 or 60 years. Um, she, she ruled for a really long time and she really just, she positioned herself well and she kind of played on both masculine and feminine attributes. One of her famous quotes is, um, she was at one of the biggest battles during her reign. She was physically there and to, she went in front of the troops and she spoke to the troops like a king traditionally would. And she said to them, you know, I may have the weak and feeble body of a woman, but I've got the heart and stomach of a king. So she played on that kingliness, that masculineness that was um, thought to be a strong attribute. Mm-hmm. And then when people were asking her to marry, she said she couldn't marry because England was, you know, like, you know, her husband and her child, she was married to England. So then she positioned herself as a wife and a mother and played on these nurturing aspects and talked about, you know, she couldn't marry because that the country was her first duty. So she played on both of these and just brilliantly positioned herself um, and not only kept her power, but was smart of, about it and was a really su- successful ruler. Mm-hmm. And built it. And I think it's also like a really interesting lesson in how you deciding as a woman, how are you going to show up? Yes. You get to decide. And I love that. And, you know, in, in my own work, when I'm working with clients one-on-one is I have this conversation with them all the time and I'm like, sweetie, how are you going to show up? Yeah. Who are you going to be? Who are you going to be today? <laughs> I can't do it for you. You got to decide. So I love that. It's about showing up with, you know, playing to your strengths and showing up in, in the full glory of your power and just being like, so I'm here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she, she was, and you said showing up in the full glory of your power. She was definitely handed some power. I mean, she was born into privilege, mm-hmm. but 
she, for the most part, she created that power. So, you know, if you want to show up in the full glory of your power. You have to create that power. You can't yep. just expect somebody to hand it to you. Yep. I love that. That's a really important lesson. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> Appreciate it. All right. So Shauna, where can our listeners connect with you? Um, I'm on Facebook and Instagram at I am making moxie. Um, and I always respond to people who check out the site. So that's making moxie.com. Great. And your podcast is where iTunes, I assume, uh, iTunes stitcher. Um, we, we host it through Lisbon, so you can okay. find it. Um, iTunes stitcher and Lisbon, everything's right on the website too. Yeah. Great. So head on over to makingmoxie.com. Check out Shauna and her team. They're doing cool stuff, working with women entrepreneurs. If you're an entrepreneur, get to know her, follow the blog, follow the podcast, or if you're thinking about it, right? Like you don't have to be an entrepreneur to glean important information from these women that are doing things um, and being impactful in their sphere of influence in the world. So get to know them, check them out and share it out. You know how this goes. goes. All right, folks, this is uh, that time where I give you directions and tell you what to do. You knew it was coming. You know that I'm about to tell you that this is time for you to look down at your phone and go over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Mm -hmm. You knew I was going to tell you that. You also know that I'm about to tell you that you need to share this episode because sharing is caring. (laughs) It is. (laughs) And we love you. And you can show us some love back by sharing that episode. And uh, don't forget to do that. Also, you know that I love hearing from you. Thank you guys for your reviews so far. Thank you for the emails. For those of you that have someone that you want to see as a guest on the show or a woman you want us to profile, keep sending me your suggestions. You can reach me at that's what she did podcast at gmail.com. You know, I love hearing from you. And that's our show for today. So thank you for joining us. Thank you, Shauna. Thanks. All right. Have a good one. Bye.